New sobering data from New York that greatly raises the chances the U.S. may indeed be entering a recession. Now, first of all, recessions don't necessarily look like what you think they look like. In fact, they don't look the same from one to the next. Second and far more important, we have to be on the lookout for clues and signs for non-linearity. That's when the economy seems to be holding up just fine, and then one day we all realize it wasn't just fine. Well, it wasn't fine the entire time, it's just that we didn't have a clear enough signal or a clear enough set of signals that determined conclusively once and for all what was actually happening. And part of the problem is we don't even have a real definition of recession. A technical recession isn't actually a recession. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, as I said, the New York Fed, the Empire Fed statistics from New York, the manufacturing data they just put out, suggest more and more that we might be heading into that non-linear part of the recession process, which would require us being in the recession process to begin with. Again, we've been talking about recession, we're talking about economic weakness all throughout 2023, but it had never gotten to that final point, that non-linear point. But the longer that we met, we kept along in that state, that weakened state, that raised the chances we would eventually find that nonlinear section where all of a sudden it seems as if things went wrong. But it wasn't all of a sudden, it's just that we didn't recognize the signals for what they were actually telling us. And in many ways, especially where it comes to manufacturing, but not just manufacturing, businesses in the US and around the rest of the world were hoping and praying for the Christmas season to be the salvation. For Christmas to, to really make or break the situation in one direction or the other. As we've talked about all last year, manufacturers in particular were waiting for that second half rebound that throughout the second half didn't really come. So what was supposed to be a second half rebound instead became, all right, Christmas has got to do it or I'm not sure what we're going to do. And it's the same processes that we've been talking about that looks weak, but it doesn't look necessarily like what people have in their minds as a recession, where companies have been hoarding workers, they've been maintaining production schedules, but having to work through their backlogs because new sales aren't keeping up. In fact, in many places, new sales continue to contract and maybe at an accelerating rate, as we'll see in just a moment. So Christmas was, okay, let's hang in there. And if Christmas comes out on the plus side, on the good side, then maybe we do get our second half rebound just right at the end of the second half after all. But if Christmas doesn't come through, then what? Then maybe we start to throw in the towel on a whole range of economic factors, including labor market. Maybe that's what the statistics showed from the, from the household survey. But essentially, the point that we're looking for, or the, the, the signs that we're looking for about nonlinearity is where things start to ramp up in the downside direction. A clear acceleration into what we would all agree as, yep, that is definitely recession-like. And that's what brings us to the New York Fed's Empire Manufacturing Survey. The manufacturing survey was actually supposed to improve. It had been, it's been on and off in some substantial negatives all throughout last year, really going back to 2022 with the inventory cycle. Businesses are cutting back in the amount of inventories they're, they're holding for good reason. And we saw that in the, in the, during the Christmas season itself, already some worrisome signs because as far as the Census Bureau statistics go, Businesses, especially retailers, had already been cutting back on inventories. 
as the Christmas shopping season was unfolding, that was a particularly worrisome sign that retailers were not seeing what they were hoping for. According to the Census Bureau's preliminary estimates for November, when you exclude motor vehicles, there had been a decline in retail inventories by value in September of about 0.4%. That might have been additional sales because there was a burst of spending in November, at least according to retail sales. But October and November, retail inventories fell sharply, sharply in a way we haven't seen since the early part of last year. So it suggested that retailers were not seeing inventories go down because sales were robust, but inventories going down because retailers were not seeing what they were expecting leading up to the Christmas season. So with that, it's very likely that retailers were saying to wholesalers, we don't want any more products. And wholesalers are saying to manufacturers, we're not going to buy any more products. And manufacturers are saying, yeah, we know sales have been flagging, but this was our last chance. So the Empire Fed survey had been negative, actually it had been positive. It popped up to plus 9.1 in November, and then it fell to minus 14 and a half in December. Minus 14 and a half is still in that same range it had been all year. And the expectations for January were a modest increase to around minus five. Instead, the Empire Fed comes in this morning at minus 43.7 which is obviously the lowest of the cycle. It's one of the lowest in the entire series. You got to go back to 20, the worst parts of 2020 to see a similar number as that one. And even that's worse than any month for the Empire Fed's manufacturing survey in 2009. In fact, the worst in 2009 was February at 30, minus 34.3. But it wasn't just the headline. It was what was underneath it. One of the big, uh, one of the parts that was responsible for the decline New orders. New orders have been weak and continuing continuing to decline at a shallow angle, back and forth, small positives, but more, more double-digit negatives. In fact, new orders index from Empire had been minus 4.9 in November, fell to minus 11.3. Again, the same type of modest weakness that we've been seeing all along, but then January, minus 49.4. Again, that's a number that's so bad, it is consistent only with recessionary conditions. In fact, that's worse than the worst point in 2009, which was March 2009 at minus 43.8. And on and on it goes. Shipments. Shipments had been plus 10. That's the index. More, more uh, manufacturers in New York saying they're shipping more goods than are saying they're shipping fewer goods. So that's plus 10 in November. That falls to minus 6.4 in December. Inventories are being destocked by retailers. They're saying we don't want more products. That becomes a modest downturn in December. And then in January, minus 31.3, a 25-point plunge in January. And of course, behind all of this, backlogs. We've been talking about all year that at some point, Manufacturers and service providers, not just manufacturers, but manufacturers were going to get to a point where sales are not coming in. They're working through all this, the orders that they have and they get to a point where there's just not enough left to do. So backlogs continue to fall and with sales falling off a cliff and then suddenly shipments fall off sharply too, it raises the chances that businesses, at least in the manufacturing sector in New York State, have said, that's it. We've seen the end. We've seen enough. What was a shallow downturn beforehand for us has just become a recession in a way that most people would recognize as a recession.
Now, of course, there's a couple caveats here. It's just the Empire Fed survey. It's just for the month of January 2024. And these Empire Fed surveys are indeed noisy from month to month and even in, from series to series, from region to region. But at 40, minus 49 for orders and minus 43.7 for the PMI as a whole, they're going down to levels and depths that are only consistent with periods that we would recognize at a recession as a recession. So just the fact that they've gone down this far and when that they've when they've gone down this far raises the possibility that much higher that we're seeing evidence of that nonlinear acceleration to the downside. Part of the problem that we have when we discuss recessions and whether or not we're experiencing one is oftentimes we don't know we're in one until we get close to the end. For example, the very mild dot-com recession in 2001 actually began, according to the MBER and a lot of economic statistics, around March 2001. But it wasn't until later in the year that we actually got the sense in the public that there was a recession in the US economy, which is why for a very long time, and even to this day, Quite a lot of people associate the 2001 recession with September 11th, even though by then we're about five, five and a half months into it. Because recessions start out with a whole lot of ambiguity. We've been talking about this for a long time already. And that's because they start out maybe at a shallow angle and then suddenly they go down quickly. But not there is no template. There is no... There is no one way for a recession to develop. In fact, the, the entire reason we talk about a technical recession is because economist Julia Shishkin back in 1974 got fed up with the fact that we couldn't, we hadn't developed a couple of simple, not rules, but uh, rules of thumb or guidelines that we could follow to understand whether or not we were actually in recession. Not, and by we, we mean the general population. And so what he proposed in August 1974 in the pages of the New York Times was three simple guidelines. The duration needs to be long enough. He defined it as nine months, a nine month decline in non-farm payrolls. It needed to be somewhat deep enough, at least one and a half percent on GNP, which is what they used back then, which extended two quarters. And that's the part that everybody remembers today. And he also proposed a diffusion parameter, which was it had to affect at least three quarters of all industries that see rising joblessness. So basically what he was saying is that a recession needs to be long enough, deep enough, and affect enough of the economy that we all realize it's happening. Whether or not we, the economists of the NBER or the government declares a recession or not. If we see statistics that are consistent with these parameters, we're likely to have been in recession. Of course, the one that has survived is the two consecutive quarters of negative GDP nowadays, but that does not necessarily define a recession. What we're really talking about is a substantial enough deviation from economic potential. Milton Friedman's plucking model is a pretty good description of what a recession should be. We have a sharp enough downturn in the economy that lasts long enough and affects enough of it that we go away from trend for quite some period of time. It could be a couple quarters, it could be three quarters, it could be a couple years, but then we go back and recover to that trend. That's what makes a recession different from a depression. A, recession, a depression is not a big recession. A recession is where we deviate from potential and then go back to potential at some point. It's a substantial enough contraction, a substantial enough decline from potential that we all have to suffer the consequences in one way or another. Even if we don't lose our jobs, we still feel the effects. A good example of this current confusion is Germany. 
Now, Germany has been struggling more than any major economy around the world. In fact, it's pretty much a bellwether glimpse of what we should expect for everyone else. But there is a debate about whether or not Germany has been in recession. The statistics office over there just released their GDP figures for the third quarter in the full year. And according to the technical definition of recession, Germany has avoided one because they revised the third quarter GDP, GDP up to zero from minus 0.1%, even though the fourth quarter GDP was negative at minus 0.3%. Had we had two straight negatives in a row, then people would have said, yes, that's a recession. But because the third quarter is now not negative, that's suddenly not a recession. Here's how Bloomberg characterized it. Germany continued to dodge a recession in the wake of the energy crisis, despite shrinking in 2023, with this year set to bring only a meager rebound, if they get one at all. Gross domestic product fell 0.3% between October and December, according to a preliminary estimate Monday. But with the previous three months revised from zero to up to zero from minus 0.1%, Europe's largest economy avoided two straight quarters of contraction, to which we say, that's not a recession. So if, it, if GDP falls for a big economy and affects enough of it, the GDP for the entire calendar year is negative, even if it's slightly negative, how is that not a recession? Even if you didn't get two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. And just to put a, a further point on this, the dot-com recession I talked about before, we did not see two consecutive quarters of GDP. You actually had a drop in the second quarter, a rebound in the third, and then a drop in the fourth. So GDP during the dot-com recession, which everybody recognizes as a recession, didn't go in a straight line either. Recessions are kind of tricky in that respect. And there's any number of ways in which they could go. There was the 1973, 74, 75 recession in the United States, for example, which many people didn't realize we were in a recession until the end, because up until around August and September of 1974, it didn't seem like we were in that much trouble. Again, that's why Julius Shishkin developed his rules of thumb that he then published in the New York Times. But all of a sudden, we had this shallow downturn that may have just been a downturn, and then it's as if the rug got yanked out from everyone, and then everybody said, late 74 into early 75, yes, this is definitely a recession. At the complete opposite end of the spectrum, you have something like 1980 in the U.S., where the recession developed seemingly out of nowhere. It wasn't out of nowhere, but the recession was very sharp right from the start, right from January 1980, and it only lasted about six months. So within a six-month period, GDP plunged, and it came right back in the second half of 1980. But that was a very different type of recession than we saw in 73, 74, and 75. A different one still, obviously, the dot-com recession, which was a mild one, non-consecutive negatives in GDP. Also, the 1990-91 SNL recession, which was very modest too. But even that one, it entered in a shallow angle, and then summertime and fall of 1990, it started to get into the recession that everyone recognizes. The point that I'm trying to make here is that oftentimes we're in a recession, we don't realize it. And one of the reasons why is because it looks like nothing more than an annoying downturn, a nuisance, something that, that bothers business managers, but just not enough for them to take the steps that we all associate with recession, which are layoffs. But in many ways, the amount of time that we're spent in that pre-recession state or that early recession state ends up dictating the chances that we end up in the part that we all recognize. 
And so what we're looking for are a number of clues, not just one or just in one month, but a, a whole survey of clues that suggest, first of all, that we've been in that modest downturn all along, which I think most of us would argue that was the case in 2023. You can call it a resilient economy if you want, but it was questionable in all of these various, various, um, very serious parameters. So what we're looking for instead is either we get out of it, the second half rebound happens and everybody's happy, we move into a recovery, or do we see more and more signals like the Empire Fed's manufacturing survey that suggest businesses have had enough. They, they've put up with this shallow downturn, this inventory cycle for as long as, they've, they, as, long as they have, and they've given up. They, they don't see any signs of a second half rebound, which they desperately needed, and that did it. A recession isn't a single thing that we can look at it like a template and say, this is exactly what's happening. There's various types of recessions that develop and a recession is itself is nothing more than a serious downturn in the economy that moves it off of its potential and does so in a prolonged enough fashion, a broad enough fashion that it causes serious problems for everyone in operating inside of it. So we've been living in the part that looks like the early stage of recession for quite some time. And so we need clues about whether or not that early stage is the only stage and we move out of it before we get to recession, a near recession or just a downturn. Or do we see more and more signs that we're approaching that non-linear point where it suddenly accelerates to the downside and everybody goes, oh, so this is actually a recession after all. It's not two consecutive quarters of GDP as we see in Germany or have seen repeatedly in recession episodes in the United States. What it is is a big enough downside that, we, that leaves us no other alternative but to recognize substantial economic difficulties are reaching whatever thresholds you want to assign, they've surpassed them in enough ways that even the most skeptical observer says, yep, this is a recession. And that's what the Empire Fed's numbers for the month of January. Again, it's just one manufacturing survey in one region in just one month, but it's it's getting to the point where it's not leaving us a whole lot of other a whole lot of other options, but to look at this and say, yeah, that's consistent with the nonlinear part of recession. Another key piece of evidence along these lines of nonlinearity, especially where it comes to the labor market. That was actually the last labor market data for the month of December. That's the video I've got linked below. I highly recommend you check that one out. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you as always, Eurodollar University members and subscribers. Until next time, take care.